I'm Romy Newman, the co-founder and president of Fairy God Boss, and this is Fairy God Boss Radio. This season of Fairy God Boss Radio is brought to you by Cisco, the worldwide leader in IT networking and cybersecurity solutions. Cisco is deeply committed to inclusion and diversity because without diversity thought and a commitment to equality, there's no moving forward. Cisco was voted a top company for women by its female employees on Fairy God Boss. Welcome to Fairy God Boss Radio. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by a good friend of mine, Mita Malik, who is head of diversity and inclusion and cross-cultural marketing at Unilever. Mita, thank you for joining us. Romy, thank you for having me. What a delight. Excited to be here. So you've had a really interesting career journey. Tell us about the steps you took along the way and how you ended up where you are today. Well, I should have been a doctor. Let's start with that, which is the, I love the it. stereotype, yes. I suppose, that I'm feeding into for Indian Americans. But it's true. I, I just thought I was always going to be a doctor. I think in the back of my head, though, I was always so passionate about storytelling from a young age. I loved watching commercials. I loved being in the grocery store with my mom, looking at like Snap, Crackle, Pop on the Rice Krispie treats and the Keebler Elf. And it's just something that always drove me. And I always also thought about, you know, as a young brown girl in this country growing up, the stories I wasn't in and the products that didn't work for me. And that really drove my career. And so there was a piece of how I didn't feel included in my community growing up. And then there was a piece of not feeling like the marketplace included me. So not a surprise that I ended up as a career marketer who ended up coming into the inclusion space. I love it. And it's so solution oriented, right? Like you see a problem and you're stepping in to solve it, which I love. So tell us about your work now. What do you do and what does it look like? That's a great question. People always ask me, what does this title mean? So I oversee diversity and inclusion and cross-cultural marketing. So diversity and inclusion, and I would add equity. My title will be too long then, so I don't. But equity is the heart of the work we do for DNI. And it's really at Unilever, we are working, as many organizations are, on building a workforce that represents our community in the US that we're serving and the changing demographics. And diversity of thought doesn't happen without diversity of representation, and that's so important. And I think no longer we believe, I believe, that we cannot separate workforce from how our products and services show up in the marketplace. So that's the cross-cultural marketing piece. And I think when people ask me, well, what does cross-cultural marketing mean? It means that you are trying to intimately understand and gain empathy for lived experiences that aren't your own. And if you asked me how I identify, I will tell you I am brown, I'm a working mother, I'm a cisgender woman, I am Hindu, my family is bicultural and biracial, and I'm American. And so and if I asked you or me the same question, you wouldn't say it's one thing. We're Absolutely not. And right. so that's what the cross-cultural marketing piece is, that we're, human beings are complex. And so how do you get to understand them deeply? Exactly. So what were the most important turning points in your career? You found kind of the career that you wanted that spoke to you. Were there moments that helped you pivot in this direction? I would say that the things that profoundly impacted my career were personal. Both times when I became a mother, now I have a seven and five-year-old, and I think to any working mother, working parent, I think those things became really pivotal. I'm like, what do I want my legacy to be for them? It, it just changes. I can't explain it because that wouldn't have been what I would have said pre-motherhood. I wouldn't yes, have. Yes, right? definitely not. Yeah, as you can attest to, but like, what kind of world do I want to leave for them? And what could I do in that space? 
And also just from a professional place, I was like, what did I do before I had children? Like, what was I spending my time doing? I, I should have been, was I, was I brunching all the time? Was I, I wish I could do that. Was I at the movies? Like, what was I vacationing? But I also like worked really hard for the sake of working hard. And I think becoming a working mother and a woman executive, you have to be really organized and simplify and just get shit done. And so that, I mean, I think that was one of the most pivotal things in my life. And I think, you know, our stories are always changing. And my story took a really drastic turn three and a half years ago when my dad suddenly died. And it was a shock and it was, no one can prepare for that. But it also then, as you have these moments in your life, as you're thinking, okay, well, what would my dad want for me? You know, and, and what can I do to honor his legacy? And so those sort of things is, that's why I say for me, the personal and professional are so tied. And I think that's probably why I've been more drawn into this work more than ever before. I love it. I think that is so interesting. And this idea that your professional life is so profoundly impacted by the personal. So tell us about gender. How has gender played a role in your career? Also interested to hear about your family and kind of how gender has been different different things in your family. So I think, you know, Romy, as we've talked about before, gender impacted me before I was even born. And one of the reasons I do this work around my purpose being around empowering those who have been excluded to help them find their voice. And once you find your voice, you never stop using it has to do a lot of the story about my grandmothers. I'm a proud daughter of Indian immigrant parents. My younger brother and I were both born and, both born and raised here. And my dad's mother was married when she was 12 years old. My mother's mother was married when she was 10 years old. They both married men in their 20s. Yeah, both married men in their 20s had very large families and were simply remarkable women. And I was just visiting my mom's home two weeks ago for the first time we broke out of quarantine, which I know we'll talk about, but I was looking at pictures of them. And I thought just like Ava Dornay says, be the wildest dreams that your ancestors could have ever aspired for you. And like, I'm living proof of what gender equality looks like in just three generations. I know that. And child marriage is happening around the world still today. So this isn't the story from very, very long time ago. It's, It's a reality. And so that to me is what drives me in my purpose. When I think about it from a work perspective, obviously that drives the work I do. I mean, Fairy Godglass has been at the forefront of this. The numbers speak for themselves, right? The numbers on representation, um, advancing women, C-suite, we've, we've all seen that before. And I think, I don't know what it's like to live as a man, right? I just know what it's like to live as a woman. But what I would tell you is it's the microaggressions we all face. It's the feedback of, you're too aggressive, you're too passive. You're too nice, you're too mean. You don't smile enough, you're emotional. It's like you never get it right. It's like always it's dancing, yes. right? And they always ask the question, and we talked about this, it's like, would you ever ask that question of a man? Right. And if you wouldn't ask that question of a man or have that idea about a man, then you shouldn't about a woman. That is the that is sort of the crux of the issue. Yeah. Yes. Yes, so, yes. <laughs> so let's talk about women in the workplace. And your experiences, both who's influenced you and then how are you paying it forward? Who do you mentor and how do you do it? I've been really lucky. I have so many amazing women in my life supporting me professionally at work at Unilever, outside of Unilever, in my home life, and my community. So I 
am incredibly lucky and I have a strong sense of obligation to pay it forward. And Romy, you're somebody who mentors me, right? I mean, so it's- I was gonna say the same. Oh, thank you, peer (laughs) mentorship, right? So peer mentorship is so important. I actually wanna talk about, I think mentorship is different than sponsorship, right? So I think, especially as you think about advancing more women in workspaces, workplaces, sponsorship, and this idea that a mentor is different than a sponsor. A mentor is a peer mentor when me and I talk, often give each other advice, career, business, family, but a sponsor is someone who's going to use their social political capital to help advance you in your career, open doors, get your name on a slate for a job you didn't know about, get you into the CEO's office, get you on that special task force. And they're generally, you know, two levels above the rule of thumb. It's not always that way, but somebody who's been an amazing advocate in my career is Gail Tifford, who used to be at Unilever, I still love you, Gail, and I miss you. And she is the chief brand officer at WW, uh, formerly known as Weight Watchers. And so she's been a force in my life. And I remember uh, many years ago when Gail asked me this question and said, do you know who's talking about you when the doors are closed? Right. I was like, what do you mean? People talk about me when the doors are closed? Yeah, they do. And more important that it's not just your line manager, right? So to think about who else in the organization knows your brand with credibility and what you're bringing to the table. And so she's been someone who I call my fairy godmother, fairy god boss, I should say. But there's so many um, women like Gail who I have had the honor and privilege of knowing. I think to your point about what do I do for other women to pay it forward? If somebody comes to me and says, I need a mentor, I'm not gonna Amazon Prime you, overnight you a mentor in whatever specification you ask. I just, the point is, is like, what do you need a mentor for? I will tell you the first time I became a mother, I needed a mentor. Oh, yes. The first time I, yeah, the first time I became uh, a people manager, I needed a mentor. So do an audit, be really specific, I say to people. I'm like, why do you need a mentor? Like, where are you in your life experience, professional experience? And then do a self audit, because I often think the mentor you're looking for is in your neck. It could be somebody who is in your alumni network. It could be through partner social circles. It could be old colleagues, people who used to work for you, which I know is a revolutionary thought. I've had really smart people work for me and I'm sure I'll work for them someday, right? Agree, (laughs) yes. And that's success. Yeah, so I think you have to do some time auditing, but I think I really want women to think about mentors are important, but position yourself for a sponsor. And that's what I want to and continue to help you do. Love it. All right. So now could you tell us about a mistake you made and what did you learn from it? Well, I make mistakes every day. Like last night, I binge watch way too late and then woke up to my kids at 5.15 in the morning. So I paid the price because I shouldn't have been up. I could have just not watched TV for that long, but I didn't. So that's, that's the price I'm paying. You know, I think I've made, you know, we all make a lot of mistakes. I think one of the things I continue to think about is how I flex my leadership style. And probably the the most difficult time in my career was when I went from individual contributor to leading people. And I think you go, as many of us know, like you go from doing to directing and coaching. And all of a sudden, you're not the person who needs to know all the details. You need to coach your team to know all the details that they can help you and the team. And so for me, I think that's been what I've been working on, just like self-work. Because when you work with people, 
your leadership styles actually come together. It's not like I'm going to be over there and you're going to be over here. You have to meet in the middle. And I think so many of the things early on that I might have been focused on input versus output. So an example would be, I love storytelling, as we talked about. I love good slides. Do I really need the slide to look like this? Yeah, the perfectionism. It's telling the same story. And it's yeah. the micromanaging piece, which I, I worked through. But I think that's probably the, you know, the first sort of big lesson I had in my career is making that leap and adjusting to it and learning from it. A hundred percent. All right. So it is July 2020, and this has been a year. We know that our audience is really struggling in many ways and has gone from like a very short-term set of shocks and crises to realizing this is not short-term. What advice do you have for handling this sense of being overwhelmed and this sense of feeling the anxieties that we're all experiencing right now? That's a really tough question. The thing I'm really focused on is being extra, extra, extra super kind to people. Because I always say, behind the best banana bread you've ever baked and drive-by birthday parties and all these pictures on Instagram, you don't know what's happening in people's families and homes. And we're all on our different COVID-19 journey. For me, I'm very vocal about what it's like to be raising children in this pandemic and trying to hold down a full-time job and have a husband. And Romy, I know you're in the same place. But you don't know. You don't know what people are going through in terms of grief, in terms of mental health. Right. And and I think also, as I talk about having lost my own father, I had time to grieve him. I had time for whatever ceremony, family, whatever that meant for me. I had time. And to not be able to do that is robbing people of another level. And so it's like pure devastation. And so I think just to create psychological safe spaces as leaders, to lead with saying, hey, Romy, like, as we do this podcast today, my five and seven-year-old are probably going to get tired of Disney Plus and bust in and we'll hear their voices. And that's the soundtrack of our lives. But if I don't lead like that, then how can I expect others to share with me what they're going through? And I think one of the things that was really insightful for me was a few months ago, there was a Washington Post article that came out that talked about how in the 1900s, the last big pandemic we had, so many women were actually with family. And now there's so many women who were single. Right. You know, if you, if you compare the early 1900s to now. And the thing that I never thought about was one of, one of the women, that, one of the stories in this article talked about how she said she could remember the last time she had touched someone. And that to me was profound. I read that. Yes. Did you read that piece? And I thought to myself, my God, I can't have people stop touching me. I'm being, exa- I'm exaggerating with my five and seven year old. But I thought to myself, like, you just don't know what people are going through. And trying to, for me, on my journey, gain a new level of empathy and understanding for what other people are going through, because everyone has their own experience in this time. So just be extra kind. You just don't know. That's people- such good advice. That's right. And then I have to ask you on behalf of our entire audience, because I know this is the question they wrestle with. How do you achieve any kind of work-life balance? And by work-life balance, I mean, even just forget like time to watch Netflix. It's how do you make time, but managing your kids at home, any suggestions or tips? 
I'm living day by day. It's July 29th at 12.49 p.m. I think that for me, I'm focused on this personally and with my team. I wake up every morning and I think about what are the two things I'm going to get done for my company today and the two things I'm going to get done for my family to keep my kids That's alive. a really good framework. And to yeah. be focused on it because all of a sudden, we're in a very large organization. There's all sorts of organizations out there. And I think suddenly ruthless prioritization is no more important than now. And you realize all these things you were working on are no longer relevant, either from a business opportunity because the market's changed, as I know we're all sort of learning and living through, or because we were focused on the wrong things and now we have clarity. And that's the advice I can give is to just really stay focused day to day because I can't, it's not even a time where we could plan for September. Yes, so I've noticed I, that. Right. So I just feel like maybe that gives me a sense of control. We don't have much control. Yeah. I think that framework you mentioned, this idea, what are the two things? Two things personal, two things professional. That's a great idea. All right, Nita, I'm going to ask you the fun questions now. Oh, okay. I'm ready. You ready? What's your karaoke song? I have to pick one. Uh, pink, Just Like Fire. Love it. I'm a huge pink. But don't ask me to sing it. Don't ask me to sing it. I'm a much better dancer than singer, so. I will keep that in mind. Okay, cool. What's your favorite way to practice self-care? Well, right now it's coloring with my children. Yeah, the coloring because thing is big. It's great. But I also like people asking, I mean, I don't have a lot of great tips for self-care right now. Yeah. Parenting in a pandemic, yeah, is tough. But I would say doing things with your children. You yes, can. that you also enjoy or, yeah. or yeah. take comfort in. Yeah. Who is one celebrity that you'd like to have dinner with? Ava Dernay. That's yeah. a great one. I I would, she's absolutely. incredible. Amazing. Her films, 13th. I mean, there's so many of her films. I'm just, yeah. yeah. In awe. All right. How about a book you'd recommend to our audience? I'm sure it's been recommended many times before. Michelle Obama, Becoming. Such a good one. Really profoundly impacted me. And especially, I think everybody can read something different into it based on their own personal experience. But for me, I was really impacted by how she made career trade-offs as her husband's career took off. Absolutely. The one line that really impacted me, and I was really lucky, we went to Barclays, Unilever brought her mm -hmm. Women's Business Resource Group. We saw her, God, I can't even imagine Barclays now, but we were there for the book tour. And she talks about how microaggressions are the accumulation of daily cuts, like the daily cuts you receive. Right. And a lifetime of those can have devastating consequences on your sense of self and self-confidence, just as you were asking me earlier on like, what's it been like to be a woman at work, you don't even realize because some of these things happen every single day. And I just think she speaks about that beautifully. Yeah, she definitely does. All right, here's where I put you on the spot. So you know this. At Fairy God Boss, one of our observations is that women don't brag enough. We don't claim credit for our work. So Mita, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. And I'm going to ask you to brag for us about yourself. Okay, well, what I'm going to brag for everyone out there, I'm a superwoman, and superwoman at some point needs rest, but making impact for my family and leading for my organization, amazing. And uh, the professional brag is that really timely, yesterday we were just named the number two company by Forbes for best places for women, and that I was blown away by. It was the world talking about us. It wasn't us bragging about ourselves. So. Congratulations. That's amazing. And that was perfect bragging. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank you. That was you. very well done. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
And for those of you who don't know, Mita is a prolific writer. She writes for Fairy God Boss. You should all follow her on Fairy God Boss and you should follow her on LinkedIn. You will see her amazing content. She oh, has brilliant viewpoints and I urge you to uh, check them out. That all is right. my self-care, Romy. I forgot. Writing is my self-care. I've been writing a lot more. Very I therapeutic. love it. Well, you write beautifully and I love to read your articles. Thank you. All right. So my last question for you to close, what is the greatest piece of career advice you'd like to leave our audience with right now? No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> the greatest piece of advice I've ever heard. I wish I could go back to my 18 year old self and tell her to do it afraid. I spent so much of like my early career in life being afraid, yeah. being afraid of what people would think of how they would react. Is this the right thing to do? And just do it afraid. Do it. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's okay to be afraid. Don't okay let it to be stop afraid. You. Most of us are, but yeah. just jump in and try and do it. Love it. Oh, Mita, this has been great. Thank you for joining me Thank today. Thank you. Thank you, Romy. This is awesome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today on Fairy God Boss Radio. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and visit us at fairygodboss.com. See you next time.